0: Hi, this is Dan Korver, a pastor here at Dalton Hill Baptist Church. We're a small Baptist church located in Owasso, Oklahoma. We're small enough to know you, but we're big enough to serve you and for you to serve as well. Our vision is to rescue, restore, and return to service. Rescue a non-believer or a believer who has been hurt or is lost. Restoring them to Christ and fellowship with other believers with the desire that they in turn will help others along their way. Today we uh, are going through, I'll go have the Lord's Supper, so we we'll, uh, won't spend quite as much time, We won't do the review, but if you remember we started the signs of life, we had a Christ likeness we went through, and then signs of life, how do you uh, show that you are a believer? And so today, it be a little bit different, but I turn on the TV, I don't watch much TV anymore, uh, turn it on and it happened to have the NFL draft, you know, and it goes on and on and turned on yesterday and it was on round five and then later round seven and kind of goes on and on. The uh, first two that were selected in the draft, one's up—it's uh, Bryce Young out of Alabama, the quarterback, and then C.J. Uh, Stroud, the quarterback from Ohio State, was second. And he goes on through and, you know, goes to the different ones and it's the kind of money that these young men will end up making. In fact, you might have seen, I uh, Who just recently signed the three quarterbacks that just recently signed the last month? Uh, Lamar Jackson signed for 52 million a year. Mm -hmm. You know, you then go well. You know, you go to Jalen Hurst just signed for 51 million a year, and then you have uh, Rodgers just signed with just over 50 million a year. Well, if they played every game possible, that only you know. They'd only be $500,000 a game. Just thinking about it, and obviously that's why they do it. So once you think about it, do you realize you've been dra- uh, drafted too? Do you realize you've been drafted? You, we think of the amount of money that these individuals, that's the title if you like, selected in the draft. When you think about it, they're going to pay these men an astronomical figure, and they don't know if they're going to succeed yes. or not. Do you realize you've been selected in the draft too? What did it cost Christ? Mm-hmm. First Corinthians chapter six and verse twenty. You have been bought with what? Christ. None of the owners are paying the kind of money that God paid for you. You stop and think about it. You and I have been selected in a draft. Now what are we doing with it? That's a big story. It's not where you were selected. It's the fact you have been selected. And so when you think about it, the package, you think about it, uh, most of these you know. But in Psalms 139, remember in verse 13 to 16, it says that you and I, our entire makeup, you are formed in your womb by God. Your days, everything about you. How many of us spend most of our life wishing we were something different about us? We wished our hands were bigger. I played quarterback when I was a little kid. It was fine. Because you have a junior football. Yep. Well, what happens when you get bigger? And they give you a bigger football. My hands are too small. I can't do it. When I played basketball... I could dunk a volleyball, but I couldn't dunk a basketball because I couldn't hold it. But have other things. Amy Carmichael always wanted to have blue eyes, but God gave her brown. You'll find out later and that was the very best thing God could have possibly done for her when you realize what she actually did for the war. So think about it. We have price a package, but look over in Exodus 31. How of us have all kinds of personal inadequacies that we like? We'll be in Exodus 4 just for a brief moment and we'll go on. Do you remember, the uh, God selected Moses, did He not? Moses tried to do it on his own 40 years earlier, leading the people out, and it wasn't God's time, it wasn't God's way. It didn't work. So now when God calls him, chapter 3 and chapter 4 of Exodus, he comes up with all kinds of objections. So God calls you and wants you to do something, and how do we have objections? Yep. I saw about four hands that went up, a couple of nods. At least I'd like some honest people here. (laughs) Well, when we get to the fourth objection, I think we'll start relating. In Exodus chapter 4, notice in verse 10, and Moses said, Lord, please, I have not been never been eloquent, neither recent, nor in times past, nor since thou hast spoken to thy servant, for I am slow of speech and slow of tongue. Now, Acts said he was mighty in word indeed. And the word here for me, a quick retort. When you're in front of somebody, they ask you or say something, you don't have the quick answer right back. Thinking about it, you might be able to. How many of us have had, when God's laying on your heart, I I want you to give your testimony. What's your answer? I want you to teach Sunday school. I want you to work with little kids. You know? This afternoon, I'm supposed to take care of two little ones. You might pray for them. (laughs) Okay? You know, it's one of those deals. In fact, it was so bad that Jessie decided that she was going to come up and try to help me. (laughs) Shows her love for me, you know? But when you think about it. Personal inadequacy. We look at it. Notice in verse 10. It was his personal evaluation. It's how he evaluates himself. But notice in verse 11. The Lord said to him, Who has made man's mouth? Or who made him dumb or deaf or seeing or blind? It's not I, the Lord. It's so the Lord is telling him what? Who made you the way you are? So if I want you to do this, what should you do? I think it's interesting. Notice he commands him then in verse 12. Now then, go. I'll leave me with you, with your mouth, and I'll teach you what to say. I'm going to be with you, tell you what to do. And notice what he now says. Verse 15, his fifth objection. But he said, please, Lord, now send the messenger by somebody else. No thanks. You notice in verse 14 then, The Lord's anger burns. He didn't burn before the first four. But when Moses said, I understand what you're wanting me to do. I understand you made me everything else. And you'll be with me and you'll tell me what to do. And I just told you what? I don't have faith. No. And how many of us have done the exact same thing? We're selected in the draft. God knows. He paid a great price. He has a job for us. And we're telling Him no. I think it's, you have it. I think what also we do, look over in Judges 6. We have problems with our personal inadequacy. We also have some problems with our circumstances. In Judges 6, you'll have another example. Uh, we've studied him many times, but in Judges chapter 6, you have Gideon. And how many of us do the same type of objections that he has when God tells him, Oh, mighty man of valor. I mean, I'm sure you feel like you're really a mighty man of valor when you're hiding in a wine press. That looks like a really brave guy. But God can see what he can be. Notice what he says in verse 13 of chapter 6. Then Gideon said to him, O Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? And where are all his miracles which our fathers told us about, saying, Do not, did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? And now the Lord has abandoned us and has given us into the hands of the Midianites. What's his problem? Moses was personal inadequacy and he is basically, he's looking at the circumstances. We do the same. And notice that God tells him though that to go and he'll be with him in 14 and notice his objection in 15. O oh Lord, how shall I deliver Israel? Behold, my family is the least in Manasseh and I am the youngest in my father's house. You know, is not much of a tribe, Lord, and uh, my family's the uh, least in Manasseh, and uh, I'm the least in the family. If you're going to pick somebody, you ought to pick one of my others. Somebody out, anybody, but not me. I think it's interesting, but well, it's probably the very best place to be. The very best place to be when you realize that you can't do it in the circumstances. Because look over, if you would, for a moment to John 15. When we get to a place, when we realize that I can't do it, then we're going to start being where God wants us to be. John 15, if you remember, it's the one on the vine. And we have to be, obviously, a believer and in the vine so far as... uh, the analogy you talking about, you, know, you can't produce grapes if you're not tied into the vine, obviously. And you get to verse 4 and verse 5, what does it tell us? If you're apart from the vine, what happens? What does it tell us? Notice in verse 4 Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He abides in me and I in him. He bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. A very place to be is to recognize our inadequacy. And I can't do it. But if God calls me to do something, He'll give me the ability to do it. Does it mean it's going to be as good as somebody else? That's not the issue. Can I deliver a message as well as Swindoll or Stanley or anybody else you want to put up? No. But that's not what I was asked to do. And so the same thing can be for you and I. You and I are selected in the draft. We come up with all kinds of reasons why we can't do stuff personal inadequacy, personal circumstances, whatever it might be. But God has us to be. He placed us there. I want you to think, too. What is it that you have that you can give somebody else? Anybody ever wonder, what do I have that I can give? You know, I don't have anything to give anybody. Look over in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and see if that's really true. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, what is it that you have that you can give somebody? You can give them love. Notice in verse 7, that's true. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 in verse 7 Paul starts in verse 1 that he has a ministry and not to lose heart but notice in verse 7 it says we have this treasure in earthly vessels what treasure do you have that you can give? Do you have the gospel? Do you have the message of Jesus Christ that you can give to somebody else? If you had a cure for cancer and kept quiet, what do you think the world would say to you? We possess something that people need. It could be a, an encouraging word. It could be to a believer. It could be to a non-believer. We have what they need. If you remember the story when I mean, you think about it? We're right where God wants us. He's given us what He we need to give to others. And why he allows us to go through circumstances according to Corinthians is so that we can help those who come after us going through the same type of circumstance. But when you think about it, if you remember in 2 Corinthians, uh, Kings chapter 7, you have to turn there in verse 9. You remember the uh, it was really bad. Jerusalem was surrounded. The Armeans were surrounding them. And the famine was so great. They only, only have five horses left total. And the famine was great. Right outside the army of the arameans are outside with all that about wanting to basically starve them out and destroy it, take over. And Elisha then says, tomorrow you're going to, you know, things are going to be great. And you'll have plenty to eat. If you remember the four lepers said, well, we're dying. Let's go out there. If they kill us anyway, so be it. But if not, then maybe they'll have mercy. And they get to the camp and what happens? God caused them to hear and they think there's great chariots and thought they hired a bunch of people and they all run off and left everything in place all the food and what did the four lepers say quote it's not right for us to keep this to ourselves we need to go and tell the people in the city some of us ponder that I have something to tell people, you have something to tell people. What are you doing? You're selected in the draft. What are we doing with it? And I think it's important. Why don't we do something? Fear? It could be inadequacy. It could be refusal. You have that with all of them. You had it with Moses, you had it with, with Gideon. But when you stop and think about it, they did overcome and they did deliver. You and I can do the same. So besides being selected in draft, why don't you think about something else? What about, uh, you know, since we're talking about that, I know you guys aren't interested in sports, but you all can use the analogy. What about preparing for draft day? If you know draft day is coming, what can you do to get ready? You know, you stop and you think about it. What about the student of the game? <clears throat> How well do you know your Bible? I'm amazed. I was watching uh, a number of years ago, or a few years back, I was watching a football game turned it on, and they had a, uh, two different times, two different quarterbacks that had retired from the NFL, and they were doing color analysis. And as soon as they lined up, they started rattling off what, was, what play was going to happen, before they ever did anything. What defense was doing. Alright, well they're in cover too. You need to call this play. You need to do that. And sure enough, it's what happened. How do they know all that? They're a student of the game. How many of us know our Bibles well enough ahead of time till we can see and figure out what's going to happen when things are coming at us? Are we memorizing something? What about developing our skills? How well are we developing our skills? It's not just having a physical ability. All those that play those sports have ability. But it's the one that develops the skills. How many of us are memorizing Scripture? Well, I'm too old to memorize. Well, then how about coming up with cheat sheets and having little verses? I want you to think about it. There would be a lot of you. How much are you using your gift? you have a spiritual gift? Or are you developing it? All those people that are in any of them, baseball, basketball, any sport, they had to develop that gift. They had to develop it. Really work hard at it. many of us are working hard at the, what God's given us. Let me give you an example of a developing skill. How many of you have ever heard of a man by the name of Sam Bass? I figured that Bob or Don might have heard of him. I'm at Marshall. When he was seven years old, his mom used to buy him little cars, little Hot hot Wheels cars. As soon as he got them, he'd take them out of the package, and what did he do? He'd take all the wheels off of it and repaint them. And his mom, what are you doing? What's his job today? He's painted over 350 NASCAR. He's the most desired artist that paints all the decals on those cars. How well do you want to be able to read something that's going 200 miles an hour down the road? <laughs> be able to see it. Exactly right. He developed his skills, started way back. How much could see our own kids or grandkids? Are we helping them develop those skills? Or do we get mad at them rather than helping them develop? No, and how about a developing a team concept? The Oklahoma City Thunder, I'm convinced, would have won a national title had they, if they could have got along and stayed together. You look at how many all-stars they have that are playing for other teams, and what all they've done. It's because they all wanted to be number one, and they wouldn't agree to work together. So, a team concept, isn't that what we're told to? And you know, Christ says He came to serve, give His life a ransom for many, and then Philippians two in verse 4 it says have this attitude in you which was also in Christ Jesus how many can have great athletes but they never make a team because it's all about them so if you're going to a team what happens if they want to use you in a different way and you don't is it the way you wanted to be used they want to put you somewhere how have you ever heard of a man by the name of Andre Kibutauer <coughs> ever heard of him NBA, he's retired now. He was an all-star, one of the best people on his team. Getting older in his career, but one of the best defenders in the NBA. He goes to the Golden State Warriors to come off the bench and help them win their first title because he could guard somebody on the other team in the championship, and they won. How many of us are willing to take a back seat because all you hear about is Seth Curry and Clay Thompson. It takes the others. Developing a team concept. If that's the case, preparing for draft day, how of us, some of you talked about wanting to take this mission trip coming up in the fall? Have you got your passport yet? Have you started getting your passport? If you haven't, what's the chances of you going are we preparing do you think you might get asked to share your testimony on the spur of the moment when you're down there do you think that you may come into a situation that you might have to maybe somebody's going to ask you a question about salvation we hope so are you getting ready to share your faith are we preparing for it? and I think it's so important for all of it. are we preparing for that the last one what about uh, okay so you've been selected draft day comes you've been selected what about training camp how many of them that get drafted make it in training camp you know not many make it they're the best in college but there's a whole lot of difference when you get to the pro same thing from going from high school to college preparation for training camp What well, do you think about this okay Are you designed by God? Okay. You're designed by God, but how many of us are trying to be somebody we're not? (coughs) How many of you would like to buy a vehicle that has no doors, no windows, no air conditioning, no heating, not standard, no lights? How many of you want to go buy it? It's 15 to 20 million. How many of you want it? It's a NASCAR. You stop and you think about it. Because they don't need those things. They're there for one thing. And that's speed. But how many of us, God's designed us to. Let's don't try to be somebody that we're not. Let's be the very best for what we can be with we're. Amy Carmichael, remember I said she wanted blue eyes. God gave her brown. What did she do? Her, li- her life work. She went to India and she rescued Hindu girls that were slaves. How important was it when she's dressed up and all you can see is her eyes when she's helping those girls get out of slavery? Had she had blue eyes, would how well would it have worked? So what she wanted is not what God wanted and what she's so thankful because she wouldn't have been very successful. She would have been obviously in prison and probably put to death. Stop and think about it. Let's think of another one. What about DGS? Divine Guidance System. We hear of GPS. Does God have a Divine Guidance System? Trust the Lord with what? All the ways acknowledge him, he'll direct your paths. I think it's important when you think about it. So what happens when you're, remember, we're talking about training camp. You've been drafted by a team. How many of you, your quarterback, think of this, how many of you want to go to the Kansas City Chiefs or the Cincinnati Bengals? Oh, no, I don't want to go there. They have two of the very best young quarterbacks in the entire game. Why would you want to go there? Okay, if your draft is in, okay, can you learn from it? What's wrong with staying on the bench for 10 years and making a nice uh, salary and being able to be totally healthy when you leave? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, okay, you know, I mean, that, know. that's not bad either. Yeah. Let me give you one. If you think about this. See if you think about this. One. This guy only played a little bit. Wasn't that great in college? Drafted in the sixth round. He then was drafted, and he's playing behind an all-pro by the name of Brew, uh, Drew Bledsoe. Anybody know who we're talking about? Bledsoe got hurt. Tom Brady came in and only called the greatest of all time. You don't know. Same thing happened with the Green Bay quarterback that did so well, Brett Favre. Same thing. So many of them, they don't make it at this team. You hone your skills. Somebody else picks you up. You fit into the system, and you do well. God knows what He's doing when He takes us. We have to trust Him. What about the... Uh, th- think about this. What kind of fuel do you have? Fueled by love? You look at the... You ever looked at one of those great uh, athletes... Well, how many carbohydrates or how many calories they have in a day? If you're getting ready for to go out in that day, you think you need a few calories. What happens if you... I'm sure they think, well, okay, we're going to have this, all this training camp. I won't eat breakfast. I won't eat lunch. How well are you going to get through the day? What kind of fuel are we using of the Lord to get us through the day? I think a lot of us are pretty anemic and we're dehydrated because Psalms 119 tells you what? In the word of God eating it. Consuming it. You need to do the same. You stop and you think about it using that analogy. What's better? A diesel engine or a gas engine? Very good. Depends on what you want to do with it. If you need power diesel has a lot more hydrocarbons in it. It's going to produce a lot more power. But if you don't need the power, then something else. And so part of it comes down to what you want to use it for. Same thing with you and I, with fuel. So notice, though, I think two others, if you think about this, preparing for training camp. How many of you have uh, faith-installed shock absorbers? You get on that road, and uh, it's pretty bumpy, and you get on different stuff, and how many of us are going all over, and... uh, We need to have that faith shock absorber because we don't understand what's going on. Living up where I do, there's some roads on the creek turnpike. Have you ever been across the bridge over there? That's the most insane bridge that's ever been created. And if you're pulling a traitor, it is great. It's brutal. And you have people in front of you. I have it on occasion. It seems like they don't have a shock left on the car. And they are all over the place. If we don't have a shock absorber in our life, what happens? We can't keep control. I have to trust the Lord, or I, I'm all over the place. And I think it's important when you stop and think about it. The last one what about tires? How important are tires in alignment? I don't, uh, no offense, Don, Bob, I don't usually watch NASCAR because it, it just takes a long time for me to. If I turn it on, I like to watch the last five laps, you know, that you know, the other 500, 450 miles, 80 miles or whatever it didn't run So I turned it on, wasn't even planning on looking at it a couple weeks ago, saw it twice. And two laps to go and they had a yellow flag and then whatever, all these new rules. Well, they, just before they came in, two of the leaders stopped for two tires to get back out in the league. Two of the others stopped for four tires. Well, who's going to win? The one with two got out quicker. But there's another caution. Now that there's a caution, everybody's brought back together. And now there's a final quick race. Who won? Four tires. And so I think it's important for you and I too when you think about it. And the one was having trouble because his alignment—he couldn't keep it under control. His alignment was messed up. Same thing to me and you and I. On our Trailblazer, just recently, we had to have front end alignment before we bought the other car. We had to have a new front end put under, rebuilt, had it done. Now I need alignment. So I asked the people who did it, and they said, Well, we don't do alignment, but you can take it, so I'll take it to a place. Well, we haven't done a trail laser before, but well, we can do it. Okay. I get it back, and it was worse than when I started. And the guy said, Well, he had to leave, so bring it back in a couple of days, he'll work on it. It's the second time I bring it back, and you need pay him, bring it back. He said, Well, Never done one like that before. You know, I think we got it. I get in, and the steering wheel's turned sideways, and now you can't take your finger off the wheel for two seconds, or it's. So, I didn't take it back a third time. <laughs> <laughs> called, called somebody else close to my house, and sure, we can take it, take it in, and fix it, and you know, you can take your hand off the wheel and go straight. How important is that alignment? It's going to ruin the tires if I don't have them. All these things are part of it. And I think it's important when we're preparing for training. You want to have everything physically just perfect for your training camp. But how many of us are doing the same thing when we're ready? God drafted us. But are we doing everything we can to prepare for draft day, prepare for training camp? Think about it. Have you been selected to draft? But what are we doing with it? We're preparing. It's just as hard, even maybe a hard worker, now that you've been selected. Because now you got to make the team. And God wants you. He has a place for you. But well, what are you going to do with it? righty? And I'll add one more. You need a playbook. You do need a playbook. Oh, you sure do. And you need to know the playbook. You need to know it. And that's the only reason we're going to know. It. We have to trust the person in front. The next, turned on yesterday, it was kind of interesting. Turned on the TV, it was USFL, Gene was out of town, USFL was playing. One second, five seconds left. Quarterback comes over, talks to the coach. Coach says, I want you to run this play. Quarterback, he said, What do you think? Quarterback said, I think we ought to run this play. Coach says, "Go for it!" Through a touchdown, they won the game. Communication back and forth, working with it, same thing. We'd love for you to come and visit with us and fellowship with us. We are located at eighty-two sixty-three North Owasso Expressway, which is on the east side of Highway one sixty-nine North, between seventy-sixth and eighty-sixth Street North. We have coffee and fellowship from 8.30 to 9 Sundays, followed by Sunday school for all ages from 9 to 9.45, and our Sunday morning worship service is from 10 to 11. We likewise have a Wednesday night service for all ages from 7 to 8. Now may the Lord of Peace Himself give you peace at all times, and in every way the Lord be with you all the time.